We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Building the Broncos with Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, Broncos Country's leading draft and scouting analysts. Get on over to milehighhuddle.com to sound off on all things Broncos. Welcome into Building the Broncos. Well, today got a special little Christmas gift coming in here with uh, with Nick once again having a little little baby time with his wife, getting things every everything ready uh, for their little bundle of joy coming. So. That means that you guys get blessed with Mr. Eric Trickle joining me here this evening. Eric, how you doing, bud? Doing good. And just got to point out, you said a little Christmas gift. I'm more like a big Christmas gift. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm doing great. It was great to watch the Broncos win. It's great to be joining you on a Tuesday night and just talk more Broncos football. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, five-game winning streak, what else could you be asking for? You know, longest win streak in the NFL, beating top teams in the NFL to do it even. It, it's just been a, a crazy run by the Broncos, and we're going to be talking about that a little bit tonight. Uh, I know power rankings sometimes are always a little bit crazy of how everybody decides to, to view them. Uh, but there is actually even one big power ranking out there that has the Broncos top 10 now, which is just un- when we were one in five, you know, at that Packers game. I remember we were sitting there talking, just going, man, this kind of sucks to not know. Do we really want them to win? Do we not want them to win just because it gets them a better draft pick? And, you know, just trying to look for the glass half full in, in these kind of podcasts. Like, how do we even talk about the Broncos when they, they're just stinking it up and losing 70 to 20? And and here we are now talking not only possible top 10 in the, the rankings, but possibly even cracking the the playoffs, the scenarios. If they win this week and Colts lose, Broncos are in that seventh seed, which is just, <laughs> like I said, I, I just, I can't, I can't think that anybody out there predicted this is what would happen after that one and five start. Yeah. I mean, as you said, we went from talking about Caleb Williams or um, Drake May to playoffs and the turnabout has been so great and it's not just you know it isn't just watching the broncos win but it's what they've done to win those games the excitement of all these turnovers even though the offense hasn't been super exciting they've had those splash plays to sit there and help keep them in it it's been it's been great to watch and as somebody who's been covering the team since 2013 like all those years of terrible broncos football even though this isn't the best i've seen when i've covered the team it's better than the last few years, and it is so refreshing and so exciting to be able to watch this team improve as they have as the season's gone on. Yeah, Nick and I started doing the podcast back in 2016, so that's the last season that they had a winning record. They didn't make the or they didn't make the playoffs. They went nine and seven, missed the playoffs, and uh, then we did that draft, the Garrett Bowles draft, and so yeah, we've had nothing to talk about but bad football, unfortunately, and. So it is. It's nice to be talking about a winning team getting ready to enter into December uh, and uh, to be playing meaningful games. You know, this is a big one on Sunday. Those those tiebreakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think there's I really do think there's going to be a 10 and 7 team 
that misses the playoffs in the AFC. Yeah, I said a couple weeks ago when, I mean, it was before the Vikings game, I think it was. Lance and I, we were sitting down, we were talking about records and what the Broncos needed to do to get back into it and why winning that Vikings game was so important. Well, it's because I don't think a 10 and 7 team is enough. I think you have to win 11 games. And with how this AFC is shaping up, that might not be enough. There is a huge, like a huge drop off, like after these, the good teams in the AFC to the really bad teams. So it's great that the Broncos are still in it. This is another one of those games against the Texans that they have to go out there and win for the tiebreaker reasons, as you stated, as well as just keep themselves in the hunt. It helps that they have the Chargers twice on the back end of the schedule and they have another game against the Raiders because they're talking about playoffs. Well, I don't think they'll win the division, but having three still games, divisional games left can still help that. It just, of course, depends on what the Chiefs do. And the Chiefs have been struggling of late. So the door is still open. It's not fully shut on winning the division even, though I, I, I question if they'll be able to, you know, pull it through. Yeah, we'll get into that, but uh, we definitely want to get to the chat here. And we got David coming in here with a $10 super chat to get us started for the evening saying, would you say eight to nine wins is the floor for the Broncos? And do you think using these final six games to determine your long-term plan three to five years from now is as important as pushing for the playoffs? So let's start with that first. Is is the floor eight to nine wins for this team at this point? I mean, before the season, that's that's about where I had him. Eight to nine wins, maybe 10, depending on how things went. Right on the cusp of the playoffs. Things changed after that one and five start because multiple of those games that were those losses were games that were must wins. But fortunately, some of the teams that I thought would be tough aren't tough um, and that we still have left on the schedule. So I still think eight to nine wins is the floor for this team. Um, as I said, at six and five. Divisional games are always tough, even if the Raiders and the Chiefs are, or Raiders and the Chargers are bad teams. So yeah, I, st- I still think eight to nine wins is still the floor for this team. Yeah, I, I mean, you got to think you still got the Patriots at home. That's not a guaranteed win, but it's up there. Like if there is a, a guaranteed win left on the schedule, it's that one. Uh, like I said, got Chargers at home. They might be out of the playoff race at that point. Team falling apart. Uh, I know you've heard there's been some rumblings about whether Staley even makes it through the season as their head coach. Uh, You know, Raiders in that final game of the season in week 18, if they're out of the playoffs, what are they doing? They're they're probably in that evaluation process of who are we keeping, who are we not, trying to get some young players out there. So maybe they're not playing for completely a win. I mean, not saying that they're trying to not win a game, but maybe they're putting a few younger players out there that haven't gotten as much run. Um, So, yeah, I, I would say... Eight to nine wins is definitely the floor. I'd say 11 is the the ceiling. I, I can't see the Broncos going undefeated to finish out the season here uh, as much as I really would love to see that. And I do think that they've probably won against their, their toughest opponents. You know, Detroit's kind of floundering here a little bit. Houston with a rookie quarterback. I mean, they're good. Don't get me wrong. I watched their game from this last week. They should have won that one. Um, so they're going to be a real tough opponent. Like I said, this is this is a big one for the Broncos. Um, now, talking about the the long term plan for the Broncos, I, I think at this point it, it would be hard to see the Broncos not having Russell Wilson as part of the long term plan, at least for a couple of years. Just the the kind of season he's had, I think he's mostly earned staying here with the Broncos. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely the issue of the contract for the production. That's um, that's always going to be an issue. $250 million for the production they're getting out of him. It's not the most cost-efficient contract out there. But he's showing what he can do and still help this team. I've had issues with his pre-snap reads all season long, but against the Browns, he was excellent there. This was the best game I've seen from Russell Wilson this season with the pre-snap reads. There were placement issues. There were other issues. But he finally seems to be getting back in, like, fully into his old self. There are a lot of issues when he'd start scrambling that he'd drop his eyes downfield and go to run instead of keeping his eyes open. Well, there are multiple plays where he was using his legs to extend plays, but kept his eyes downfield. It led to that great catch by Marvin Mims that barely touched the Browns player, and Mims had to adjust for it. So we're seeing what he can still do. And it's similar to, you know, that 2015 season with Peyton Manning. I mean, we saw the decline in 2014, and it wasn't obviously it wasn't as bad as what we got from Russell Wilson last year, 
but there was still that question of like, do you really want to keep paying Peyton Manning as much as they were? I remember that being a conversation for it. And granted, the contract quarterback contracts are three times as expensive, two times as expensive now. But it was still that conversation. And if Wilson can continue to use his brain and knowledge and experience to help the Broncos offense, I think, yeah, it is worth keeping around it, keeping him around um, with this team. But there's still that issue of they're not in the best cap spot, you know, after the season. So there are going to be a lot of changes coming and he's going to have to, you know, still improve. And maybe that second year in the system will help that to help carry to help continue carrying this team. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, and we got David McElrath coming in with a $5 super. Good to see you, David. Saying good evening, Broncos country, Carl, Eric, Dylan, and Deacon Scott. Hashtag 11 and 6. Hashtag Buckham times 3. Hashtag MHH for life. Hashtag Denver Broncos for life. You know, if there's really anybody that believed the Broncos could still be a playoff team after being 1 and 5, it's probably David. You know, I mean, he's always put into to each one of his super chats, you know, that the Broncos are going to go undefeated the rest of the season pretty much. Or lose. I guess he has one loss here. Um, so he, he's, he's got some realism in there. But no, David, you, you've been on it, saying that the Broncos are going to turn this thing around, and just appreciate your support here, and and good evening to you as well. So thank you for joining us. Yeah, your positivity. I mean, and there's I've been other chatters too who bring such a good positivity about this Broncos team. It's always refreshing, even when we get down in the dumps about covering this team, as all of us were after that one and five start. So Papa Bear, thank you for the uh, the donation. Thank you for the you know constant op- optimism that you bring. Um, every show, every week, uh, we appreciate that. And we got Michael Ronquillo coming in saying, good evening, Carl and Eric on building the Broncos go Broncos. Another one of our just consistent supporters day in, day out, week in, week out. We appreciate it. Michael, always good to see you in here and, uh, bringing the support. So yes, definitely go Broncos. And hopefully this Sunday, bringing another victory six in a row. And like I said, if they, if they win this one, I'm not sure exactly what their odds are. For going to the playoffs, but I, I think it pretty much ju- jumps about double in percentage wise. If I looked at it right earlier this week, um, that, that's just how big this one is to to separate to, like I said, have those tiebreakers. You got tiebreakers then over the Bills, the Browns and and the Texans, all teams right there in that level. And that, that would be just huge, huge for the Broncos. I don't think there's a bigger game left on their schedule than this one. 
Yeah, when you especially when you factor in, you know, the tiebreakers because the Detroit Lions are a big team. They're a good team. They're in the playoff hunt, but that's still NFC. So yeah, this is probably the biggest game they have left. And I think you're correct. They're at, they're sitting at like 30% chances to make the playoffs based off of ESPN analytics. And if they were to beat the Texans, I think it jumps up to like 57, 58%. So yeah. not quite double, but pretty darn close to it. Yeah. We got KB82 coming in with a 499 super chat saying, what are the chances Jaquan McMillan will be this will be starting for years to come across from PS2? I I think it's pretty, I mean, not I don't know if he'll be an outside corner. Yeah. But he has proven he is truly a, a slot corner that should stick around for a while here for the Broncos. Uh he's been impressive. His ability to come up and help in the run game. You know, I think that was one of the things with, with Chris Harris Jr. Like he was so smart, he always knew where to be in the run game, and that is such an underrated part of the the slot cornerback position. Like you have to be willing to come up and make tackles. Teams trying to get to that edge, if you're not going to be that guy, you can't play that position. So the fact that he is physical, he's punching at that football, can pretty much cover guys down the field. He's got the athleticism to stick with them. He's pretty smart out there. Uh, I definitely think he's going to be sticking around for a while. Yeah, I definitely think that he will probably permanently find himself in the slot just because of he's a little bit on the smaller side of it, but he still, he still plays big. And last year to close up the season, he got the start on the outside against the chargers and handled himself well against Mike Williams, Josh Palmer and Keenan Allen. I'm a huge fan of Jaquan McMillan. I was a huge fan of him coming out. I was super excited. The Broncos signed him as an undrafted free agent because he always, he always plays bigger. He's always was physical coming downhill against the run and he was sticky in coverage. Now, this was his worst game of the season, but he showed during the game when he would make a mistake, he didn't make that same mistake again. And there's a two-play sequence where the Browns basically ran the same play twice um, at different points in the game. First one, he got beat badly and gave a big catch. And the second one, he stuck right by it. He didn't buy the fake. He knew what was coming, and he just read it and played it throughout. Um, I'm really excited to see what more there is to come from Jaquan McMillan. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that secondary, it's turning into a, a huge strength when we had a big question mark about that unit heading into the season. And, I mean, they've had to make a lot of changes. Locke has proven to be at a whole new level than he's been any other point in his career. You know, especially these last couple games that he's started, he's really feeling comfortable, making a lot of plays. Now, he's made a couple stupid mistakes. Yeah. You know, his late hit, I don't know if you – what you what you'd call it to give up the touchdown there to to the Browns? I mean, he went up high, defenseless receiver, all those kind of things. It was just a stupid decision, you know. He wasn't going to catch that ball and cost the Broncos four points there. Um, but beyond that, like I said, he, he made up for it later on in the game, making some big plays, sticking coverage, helping in the run game. You know, he's another one I saw early in the game. There's a run play to to the left side um, by the the Browns, and he didn't come up. And they got a big game. And I think even the announcers kind of talked about it, like Locke's got to recognize that this run's coming this way and he's got to get up there and make the play. And then later in the game, they did the, a pretty similar play. And there he is right there to make that play in the run game. So, you know, guys learning on the uh, just right there in the middle of the game to not make the same mistakes. Uh, it, it's just great to see the, the intelligence on the field. It's not just that they're being physical. It's not that they're just making plays. They're really being smart and what they're bringing compared to early in the season. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, Locke, he's been great. He should remain starter once Kareem Jackson is back. Um, the penalty on him was a little ticky tacky, but by rules as written, the flag was thrown. It, it was a penalty, just a little bit of a weak one. Yeah. But Daniel Vasquez comes in with a $4.99 donation. Thank you, Daniel. We appreciate that. He says, let's go Broncos. We are ready to see them here in Houston beat the Texans. I am too. I would love to see them go in there and beat the Texans. I'm a big fan of CJ Stroud. I like what the Texans are doing and I'm going to be rooting them for, for them going forward as well. But I mean, the Broncos come first, right? I mean, I, the Broncos, <laughs> I want to see the Broncos go and compete for this playoff spot. Do you think this is a good or bad matchup for the Broncos? I think it's an interesting one. And um, defensively, I think it's a good matchup for the Broncos. Offensively, We've seen the we've seen the run game do most of the work for the Broncos, especially during this streak, and then a few splash plays. Well, they have the weakest schedule in terms of passing defenses left, and the hardest schedule left in terms of run rushing defenses. 
And the Texans, they do a solid job against the run, but they have they allow explosive plays. They allow um, quarterbacks to move the ball through the air pretty consistently. They're still putting together the secondary and the coverage units within that defense. So I think it's going to be a little bit tough for them to get the running game going, but this should be a game where we see Russell Wilson and the Broncos passing attack do more than they have over the other games that they've had during this streak. Yeah, especially if they continue with that communication pre-snap. I know it's going to be a little bit tougher on the road. Houston, thankfully, is not a very loud stadium uh, from what I've heard. Uh, so maybe they'll be able to communicate a little bit. But we've got Phil McLaughlin coming in with some stars saying, Good evening, Eric and Carl. Love the hat, Eric. Oh, yeah, that, that's a good choice there. Got to say, I think this could be a coming out game for Russ. 27 to 21 Broncos. Hashtag Buckham. Hashtag MHH for life. Hashtag Go Broncos. Um, Phil. Yeah, I like Eric just said, this is one of those games Russ has to go take advantage of the opportunities. They have some major holes in that secondary, and and Houston likes to get pretty aggressive too. You know, they, they love to send a, a pretty big blitz package, and if the offensive line can continue to hold up and grow like they've been doing, and you got uh, Samaje P. Ryan, I loved him in pass protection. I mean, that man is just a wall when a linebacker or safety tries to come blitz up the middle. Um, if they can give him just a little bit of time, Wilson can definitely go out there and make some some big plays down the field. So uh, could be that game where we see a little bit more of those explosive plays, like you said, down the field. You know, maybe Mims gets another one of those big, deep passes that we saw early in the season. Yeah, I think this game especially is one where – so during the win streak, Javante Williams hasn't been overly – efficient as a runner and i'm not saying he's been bad but this is a game where i think because of what p ryan adds to the passing game which for some reason williams has not been great when kept in the block and then there's there was the issue there's the two those two passes against the browns too where williams and russ were just a little bit off they ended up to two and ended up leading to two incompletions this is a game where i would like to see Samaje Piran get involved more offensively and a little less Javante Williams. More of a 50-50 split that they that they intended when they brought in Piran for when Williams was healthy, but they've gotten away from that and it's been a very much basically a 75-25% split um with Williams to the other running backs. So I'd like to see a little bit more balance there and a increased usage of Piran because what he's been doing during the streak has been outstanding. Yeah. I for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. I put out there on Twitter this week that my hot take was Samaj P. Ryan has been the best all-around running back on this roster. Yeah. And it's not a shot at Javante. It, it really isn't. It, it's more just what P. Ryan's been able to do. He's been special, like I said, as a runner, pass catcher, even a blocker. Uh, all three phases there for the running back. But we got Tom Lockoff coming in with a 499 super saying Broncos defense is filled with young, cheap players, but they will need to look for beefy line help in the draft and free agency next year yeah, you're completely right. Um, unfortunately, that defensive line, especially you got Allen who's playing in great football. You know, I mean, he's had a couple lulls here and there, but he's still making some incredible plays out there for the defense. You got Jones, who's not quite living up to the hype. I would say of what you, you brought him in and how much you paid him to be of, he's supposed to be one of those top five run stuffers on defense. And he's been a little bit up and down. But beyond those two, there just really isn't much in that that grouping. And so definitely need to, to revamp that group. Edge group, it'd be nice to add another piece. It's just hard because it's expensive. It's hard to find them always in the draft. If you aren't getting there in the top you know, five picks or so, it's hard to find that guy that's going to be an immediate impact for you. I mean, you can still find them. Don't, don't get me wrong. But um, and, and I think there's a couple of them there in the mid area of the first round. I would definitely wouldn't mind seeing the Broncos go after to add to the edge group. But defensive line, I definitely would rather go free agency than than the draft or or maybe even a trade. I know you and I talked about that earlier this week of um, 
with Carolina possibly going on a fire sale here at the end of the year, that there's a defensive lineman that they have that would be incredible if the Broncos could bring in, but I'm afraid it'd probably cost them their first round pick. Yeah. I mean, and the issue with using draft picks on defensive linemen is that, I mean, obviously you get those guys every now and then that come out year one and just completely dominate. But for the most part, defensive linemen, especially early guys take that two or three years before they really break out and emerge as a player. And this isn't a strong defensive line class. That doesn't mean there aren't some guys, but I mean, if they're going to take somebody early, there's that big guy out of Texas whose name I can't remember now, but he's like 350,000 pounds. Dude is big, but he's so quick. When I watch him, he reminds me of Terrence Knighton with how quick he is shooting gaps and everything that he brings a little bit of one gap ability as a nose tackle. Um, he's so quick. He, he's got plenty of power to hold up against double teams. He's one of the guys that I had my eye on for the Broncos earlier in the draft. I'm not sure. I mean, I've heard a lot of round one talk with him. Testing will be important for him and how if and size. And there's been some rumblings that he struggled to keep his weight in check and everything. But um, thanks, Scott. Tavondre Sweat is the guy. Um big dude i'm a big fan of him he's got a teammate there in texas too that i like as well um but those are guys that i do that i i would like the broncos to go out there and pick up it's but speaking of the issues on the defensive line i always felt it was a mistake for the broncos to not add somebody really outside of zach gallon because they're betting on improvement from aoma uwazarike matt henningson and jonathan harris one of them got suspended for the season for being dumb and gambling on NFL games, including the team that he's on and games games he was playing in. And then Harris and Henningsen never sh have, haven't shown that development. And in the case of Harris, he didn't do anything to, you know, earn that, that, that love for him of saying, Hey, this is a guy we can actually develop. So it was always questionable to me. And it's definitely one of the biggest weaknesses on this team. Run defense continues to be an issue because they're, defensive line just isn't holding up yeah i mean when 92 is on the field you can see teams are kind of like pointing him out like we're running at this guy because he's going to get pushed five yards back almost every single play or he's going to fall on the ground one of the two uh, unfortunately that seems to be the, the broncos i think nick kind of brought it up um at one point saying the broncos spend more time on the ground than any other team on the defensive line yeah. Those guys just fall down. It just doesn't work well. But we've got Troy Boer coming in with a $10 super chat, chat saying, hey, guys, how bad is Russell Wilson's contract if he stays for two more years? I've discussed how bad it is if we move on, but is it okay for a barely out of the top 10 quarterback? Have a great show. Thank you, Troy. Great question. Uh, so I, I got up his, his contract pulled up here. Uh, so next year, his cap hit would be $35.4 I mean, it's big. But really, in the quarterback market, that, that's probably what you're looking at for anybody that's going to be having a, a non-rookie contract that is a starting quarterback. Um, and then the next year, that, that's kind of the big one. The 2025 hit, hit is $55.4 million. So they're definitely going to have to do something about that. Um, now, the cap is expected to go way up over these next few years. They've got the, the YouTube money coming in. Um, they got Amazon money that's coming in. CBS, Fox. I mean, they've got money coming in from a lot of different streams. That's really upped what the cap's going to go to. You know, you were talking about the Peyton Manning contract on his last year. You know, he's making 18 million. And that was just eight years ago. That's what top quarterbacks were making was 18, 20, 22 million, something like that. Um, so to see him what they are today is just is crazy. But uh, so, yeah, next year, I don't think it's that detrimental to the team. There's still a lot of contracts that they can work with. They can Tim Patrick, they can move on from him. Jerry Judy, they can figure out something with his contract. Um, you know, Bowles, I think they can rework that deal. Uh, do you think he's earned staying with the Broncos beyond this season? I think they'll look at extending him and trying to lower that cap hit and just give him more long-term stability with his deal. Yeah, because I, I can't see them staying on his contract, what he's got right now. Um, but he's definitely been playing out of his mind. Another great game this last week. And I, I know Garrett got hurt. And I know everybody's probably going to talk about that, just like they talked about Patrick Mahomes being sick when the Broncos played him. But still, he held his own against maybe the best pass rusher in football, uh, mm -hmm. an athletic freak. And I, they 
they tried to help him on some plays, but there were times where he was on an island and he definitely did well on most of those reps. Yeah, with Wilson's contract, the issue has never been the 2024 aspect of it. It's still a reasonable deal. The issue is is that keeping him on the fifth day of the new league year after this season guarantees his 2025 salary. That has always been the issue. If it wasn't, a, if it was a situation where you keep him for 2024 and then you still have an option of getting rid of him, then it was never a situation of oh they should cut him after 2023 after this season. But it's not. And then that 2025 season is a huge jump in the cap pit. It's going from about 14% for in 2024 for a salary cap number to 20% um, of the salary cap. It's a over $55 million um, against the salary cap. And it's just, if you keep him, you're guaranteeing, you're guaranteeing he's on the roster for two more years. That has all, that has always been my issue with his contract of you, of, if you keep him for 2024, you're keeping him for 2025 as well. And I, I, with what he's doing, I still have issues of guaranteeing that second year. Um, he deserves 2024. And, but after that, it, that's where the, that's where the issue is for me is guaranteeing that base salary that he has for the 2025 season. Yeah, and we got Chase Wellner coming in with a $2 super saying, how are you guys feeling on the O-line overall? I, I think, really, if you're talking about the strength of this team right now, I mean, I, I know you got some players on the defense. Maybe you could talk about secondary. But I think right now it's the offensive line. You know, this unit has really, considering where they were week one to where they are now, the, the growth is just incredible. You know, it, it's part of this this five-game win streak is what they've been able to do, both in the pass and the run game. You know, they've been a little bit up and down in the, in the run game, but I think pass game especially, they've really stepped up, given Wilson some room to, to roam. Um, you know, Garrett Bowles, like I said, has really had a great bounce-back season. Ben Powers has been getting a little bit better. You know, he really struggled early in the season. Cushenberry has been good during this five-game win streak. Uh, Miners, I think he probably could have an argument for an all-pro season, with especially what he's been showing. And then, you know, on, on the, the right tackle spot, he's been up and down. Don't get me wrong. McGlinchey's been up and down, but but he's he's been better. I think he's been more consistent, especially over these last few weeks, compared to where he was early in the season. So, yeah, this unit, definitely a strength of this team, something you can move forward with and say – this is probably a unit you can try to keep together. Um, I, I, I'm starting to lean towards Cushenberry's maybe earned a, a second contract. I hate saying that because he's had like three years of horrible, horrible play. And I, I don't like doing that. Like a player all of a sudden gets good during a contract season. But the fact that we're seeing the entire offensive line, you know, take this big bump forward as a unit uh, makes me believe that part of it was a coaching issue. And that now once we've gotten some good offensive line coaching, now we're seeing what this unit can be. For me, this unit is a top eight unit in the NFL. Um, they they do give up pressures, and Russell Wilson's able to accommodate for that. Sometimes he crumbles. Sometimes he makes some magic happen. But they've been good run blocking unit. Even when McGlinchey was struggling, even when Powers was struggling, they were still still doing well as as run blockers. Um, with their, even though with the issues in pass protection, Quinn Miners 100% should be a Pro Bowler and should be in the All Pro All Pro conversation. He's been he's been a top three guard in the NFL this season. Um, and then as for Cushenberry, the improvement is great, and he definitely has earned an extension. The problem is is the financials of it. You have a big contract to Mike McGlinchey. You have a big contract to Ben Powers. You have the contract status being up in the air with Garrett Bowles right now. And then you have Quinn Miners, who is eligible for an extension after the season, though they'll probably wait to extend him until either sometime during next season or just after. That would be a lot of money spent on the offensive line. And it just seems that the Broncos are ready to try and get a compensatory pick for Cushenberry and then turn to Luke Wattenberg or Alex Forsyth after the season. And it's nothing against Cushenberry. He's earned that contract. It's just the finances with the cap situation the Broncos are in just doesn't add up. 
Yeah, I, I'm with you there. And, and that happens sometimes yeah. where you're going to have to lose some good players when you're when you're a good team. You lose good players uh, just because there's only so much money that can go around. You know, you think of the Broncos, that, that 2015 team. How many players did they lose? Malik Jackson having to go. Um, I think one of the what one of the linebackers ended up going somewhere. I can't remember which one. Um, yep, that's right. And man, I, that was the one that really got me because I love that guy. He was one of my favorite players on the Broncos that season. Just such an underrated player of that great defensive unit. But um, and then yeah, Shaq Barrett. That was another one that the Broncos had to. Was he? I think he maybe was one more year, and then they lost him. Um, or did he get lost after the years. okay but still like i said that, that's what happens you become a good team you lose good players it's how you get compensatory compensatory picks um and so hopefully that's what starts happening for the broncos here soon and like i said this is what happens when you bring in good coaching players grow and then you got young players that can eventually step up and i know you and i both liked forsyth in this past draft you know he didn't test well by any means but I think he's one of those guys that could do well, especially in this this offensive system and what they're wanting from the, the center position. And you still got Wattenberg from a couple drafts ago. Definitely need to see what he can bring. And, and this is where you just you depend on your coaching to keep this unit strong. Yeah. Um, and I really like what Zach Strife has done. I, I like Sean Payton's mold of how he's always followed with it. And looking at what Sean Payton's done is another reason why I think that uh, Lloyd Cushenberry is on his way out. And with the situation the Broncos are in with the cap by cap situation, they're going to be stuck for another couple of years. And adding in that extra compensatory pick can just help alleviate it a little bit. That is always the issue uh, when you start trading away picks. And it's an issue that the Saints got in when they kept trading picks for players. It's an issue the Rams got into because they were trading picks for play for star players is you don't get those cheap contracts coming in that you got to try to develop to replace those expensive free agents that you're leaving. And one of the best models that we've seen, and it's something the Patriots have done or did for years, they get stars, they let them leave, they get the compensatory picks and they just have somebody that they've developed to fill right in. So it's definitely one of the, um, things one of the big things to try and get to and something sean payton and hopefully is able to do with this broncos team and and on a different note just a, a side note here uh dalton reisner continues to struggle there for the vikings and you know i know a lot of people had a lot of love for him because he's the local guy and and i get it and he had that great rookie season you know just showed such promise that this is going to be one of those guys that you really begin to build that offensive line around and nope he just continues to, to fall off and uh, continue to show he's he's not worth – the Broncos made the right decision to move on from him. And Ben Powers, he's been up and down. Don't get me wrong. He's not been perfect at that left guard position, but I still think that was money well spent to, to upgrade that position because to have such a, a weakness on the offensive line really could have derailed a lot of these games. Definitely, and I think – Ben Powers, and I talked about this earlier in the season too, talked about it in the preseason when we were seeing him, the issues are in pass protection. And even though his play as a run blocker wasn't worth that contract, it was still a massive upgrade over what the Broncos were getting from Dalton Reisner last year as a run blocker. I mean, he and Cushenberry were just turnstiles in the middle of it, of that line. And it's great to see that Cushenberry has bounced back a little bit after replacing Dalton Reisner, which definitely can have some impact on his performing better. It's just, it's one of those things where sometimes um, the it's great for the, you know, the local kid, the the fan favorite, Philip Lindsay was one, Dalton Reisner was one, but when they get around and start going, looking at other teams, you can see what other teams think of them. Dalton Reisner was a late signing because teams didn't view him very well. And Philip Lindsay, he signed cheap and then he bounced around for the NFL for a while and then and then left. Um, there is that is always something to keep an eye on because if an NFL team is passing on you and waiting on you for a long time, 
it means that you're not good enough because if they think you're good enough, they're going to go sign you to that big contract right away. And so it was kind of a clear sign that Dalton Reisner, I mean, he'll probably bounce around the league for a little while just because he's got so much experience, but he's not trending in the right direction. And fortunately, it's not happening with the Broncos. I know a lot of Bronco fans wanted to give him a big contract last season, even with the poor play, um, writing it off, you know, as Hackett and um, Butch Berry's issues on the offensive line. But it, it's great that it was a great decision to move on from him and go get powers, even though he hasn't fully lived up to his contract. Yeah, like I said, it, it's you want those those local guys to to be able to make it. Um, you know, I, I love when the Broncos bring in players from like Colorado State or University of Colorado and, you know, hope that those guys could become something. But uh, unfortunately, a lot of times it doesn't seem to, to work out like you hope for. And you give them opportunities, but, you know, it's still up to them to, to go make a play. But uh, I, all right, I, let, let's get this comment and then we can get to maybe our, our main topic of the day. We got Thundersnow1 with a 999 Super Chat coming in saying, longtime listeners. First time typers. Well, I'm glad that this is your first time coming in and it's with building the Broncos and Eric and I says me and the kiddos are in Kansas city. I feel for you. I I live in Kansas, so I'm surrounded by chiefs fans. So I get it. It kind of stinks. Uh, But he says we are stoked with the Bronc Broncos, but, but they have work to do. They must stay run centric and jam it down the Texans throat. You know, I, I, I agree to a point of, uh, yeah, like you still want to stay committed to what you're good at. Like even if the other team is good at stopping the run, I still think the Broncos can still have some success in the run game. But this is one of those games where they're going to have to to back that defense off. I think the Texans are going to dare the Broncos to have Russell Wilson throw for 300 yards in this one. You know, the, the Broncos kind of did that to Cleveland this last week. They, they dared them to throw. They said, we, we really want to come up here and help stop the run game. And they still struggled to stop it even with trying to dare them to do it. And, and the Browns fell for it. So I, I don't want to see the Broncos do that and fall for that of we're going to have Russell Wilson throw it for 40 times in this game. But finding those opportunities to still back the defense off with some timely throws, um, that, that's still going to be very, very important for this game if the Broncos offense is going to be able to do anything. Yeah, they have to stick with the run. Like You just can't fully abandon it because then when you get one-dimensional – you allow your the defenses to just tee off on the quarterback. So you still got to keep running the ball, but the Texans, they are fifth in the NFL in defensive EPA against the run. They do a good job of limiting the run and just struggle in coverage. They are 27th in EPA against the, against the pass. They are 21st in explosive play rate. They are really bad on first downs. They are 21st in early down EPA play. 24th in EPA play in general. And the biggest thing is, is like if the Broncos were to abandon the run against this, the Texans pass rush isn't great. Their PROE pass rush over expected is negative 1.56%, which is 20th in the NFL. So they are getting less pressure than you, than you would expect them to. Um, So this is a game where obviously, as I said, you don't abandon the run, but if the Broncos were to get one dimensional, I think this Texans defense is one where they can get away with it um, because of how problematic the Houston Texans defense has been against the pass. Struggling to get pressure. The linebackers are often out of place. The safeties, I mean, they were hoping from development from uh, Jalen Petrie, but he hasn't been great this season. Derek Singley's been a fine corner, but he's the best corner that they have, and the rest are struggling. So there is a significant weakness here. Still got to stick with the run and try to be bully ball a little bit and wear down that defense. But the passing offense should be able to move the ball fairly easily against this defense. This is one of those games I really wish Greg Dulcich was healthy. Yeah. Because uh, I watched the, that game against Jacksonville, and uh, they're, they're tight ends had lots and lots of opportunities to go make plays. And unfortunately, Broncos might have, without Dulcich, the worst tight end situation in football. Even with Dulcich, they might have the worst situation tight end situation in football. You know, it's one of those underrated positions right now that the Broncos definitely could be looking at for the upcoming draft. Um, but yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting to see. You got Will Anderson. He's a great pass rusher. And that's about it for them. 
at this point. You know, if, if you get some double teams on him, um, you've seen where the Texans have tried to manufacture a pass rush just by sending some blitzes. You know, they're not blitz centric, but they they definitely aren't afraid to descend the house. And Wilson has shown pretty pretty well, especially against this five game win streak. When that happens, he's ready for it. You know, there's been a couple plays he's messed up on it, but we saw against the you know this last game against Cleveland. There's a couple times where they really tried to send the blitz, and Russell Wilson just said, "All right, I'm going to throw it to this spot. Cortland Sutton, go up and make the the catch." And worked pretty darn well for him in this last one. So, uh, yeah, it'll be be interesting to see how the Broncos decide to attack this Houston Texans, Texans defense. Because, like I said, it's strength on strength, weakness on weakness. And I, I'm a little bit worried about this game. You know, actually, against Cleveland, I felt really good. It's at home. They, you know, backup quarterback that's been struggling – I really thought the Broncos for sure were going to win that one. This Texans one, I'm a little bit lower on at this point, just because they have a quarterback that can make a lot of plays. And like I said, that defense, so good against the run. It's just going to be interesting how the Broncos go about this. Yeah, I mean, Friday night, I was super confident about the Broncos beating the the Browns. I didn't think that they would do it as badly as they did. I thought it would be a bigger defense about. But nobody expected Miles Garrett to get hurt pretty early in the game to where he couldn't even use his left arm, basically. Like, nobody was expecting that. Um, He still made some plays before and afterwards, but it basically became he was a decoy. Um, But anyways, I felt very confident about the Broncos walking out with the win in that one. This one, being on the road with what the Texans can do offensively, with how good C.J. Stroud has been, and just finding that weak spot in coverage and exploiting it, how good Tank Dell has been, like – I still think the Broncos walk out with the win here, but I am it's closer to 50-50 for me than the Browns game was. Um th- this is going to be I think this is going to be a little bit of a tougher game than people are people think it will be. Yeah, you're right. I like I said of of the games remaining, I mean the Detroit game on the road, that's going to be a tough one. I probably would feel better about the the Detroit game than I do about the Texans game right now. I, I just, for some reason I have, I have a feeling, like I said, this Texans game, just with having Stroud with the way he's playing right now. And it's not like he has great weapons around him. You got Tank Dell, who's outstanding. And I loved him in the draft and, but he went to the perfect situation, a quarterback that can take advantage of what he does on the field. And, uh, but beyond him, you know, you look at the rest of that, that receiver core, they're not great players. They've been other places and have not been what they are there in Houston. And that's just a, a sign of a great quarterback when they really up a player's game like that. So um, definitely going to be a great test for the secondary. He does every once in a while try to force one. So you can take advantage of him every once in a while. But they're going to have to pick their their opportunities. And I think, the, I think fans are going to have to get used to this idea of Ben don't break in this one. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're going to give them some of these yards, but once we get to the red zone, we're going to try to clamp down uh, just because they can beat you over the top. You get too aggressive. Tank Dell's taking it for you. Yeah. And uh, so, so like I said, I think they're going to be a little bit more cautious on some of that, pick their opportunities. And I still expect the defense to do well, but this will definitely be one of the tougher tests that they have remaining. Yeah, I will say that Nico Collins has actually been a really good receiver for them this year too. Yeah. Um, but when I when I watch the Texans, part of me wonders how much of that is CJ Stroud elevating what Nico Collins is doing and how much of that is Nico Collins. It's both, but it's just how much of which goes into it. Um, and we have a comment here from K pop saying, even though PS2 isn't what he was last year, I trust him versus Tank. Um Tank Dell is not the guy you want Sertan against. You want him up against Nico Collins. Yep. Just because it is a far better matchup. Tank Dell will leave him in the dust. Um, Sertan is great. One of the best corners in the NFL, not trying to take that away from him. But he has struggled this season specifically with quick receivers and jittery receivers with speed. Chosen Anderson, Robbie Anderson, whatever his name is now the, of the Dolphins, absolutely whipped him for that big touchdown. DJ Moore beat him a couple times. 
quicker, little shiftier um, receiver. It's just that when he gives up catches this year, it has been to those those types of receivers. So not the guy that I would want him up against. I would do whatever I can to put Jaquan McMillan up against Tank Dell personally and yeah. just live or die by that. Um, and give him safety help over the top, of course. Um, but I think the matchup of Mc, McMillan against Dell is far better than Sertan against against Dell. Right. And and you can this is one of those games where you can trust Sertan against Nico Collins and say, like, we're just giving you this guy the entire game. You go shut him down, and we're just not even gonna worry about him. So now we can have some extra guys to help in these other areas. You know, Justin Simmons helping over the top so that they don't have those explosive plays because the Texans have been one of the best teams in football for explosive plays this year. Uh, so, like I said, having Justin Simmons be able to roam back there would be huge for this defense. And like I said, I think McMillan with a little bit of that quickness that he has, I think he can not shut T- Tank Dell down by himself, but yeah. with that extra help. I think that that can be a, a pretty decent matchup for the Broncos. Yeah, and I think it's a situation where you're not necessarily trying to shut Tank down, Dell down. You're just trying to limit the overall impact of him. And when you have great receivers, that's what your goal is. You're not going to stop Devontae Adams. You're going to limit, try to limit him. You're not going to stop DJ Moore. You're going to try to limit him. You're not going to stop Cortland Sutton for the most part. You're going to try to limit him. And that's kind of what the Broncos have to do here is do whatever they can to limit what Tank Dell can do. And I know there's a common thought of like, put your best corner against the best receiver. I get it, but you have to factor in play style matchups as well. Because if you're putting a guy against a, who's a not the fastest corner in the world, against a really fast guy, fast corner, it's going to lead a uh, lead to some issues for the defense. And one thing I will give Vance Joseph credit for is he has a done good, done a really good job this year of putting you know the best corner on the best receiver when it makes sense and finding and playing more so to the matchup aspect of it than you know just the overall like skill level aspect. Right. Well, you saw in this last game against the the Browns, he went up against Njoku a few times in one on one coverage. Mm-hmm. You know, just because he's got that size that can stick with a guy like that. And so those kind of moves where, like I said, just trying to find great matchups for your players, putting them in the best position to to win is something that I've loved about Vance Joseph over this nice stretch here. Like he's learned his players. He's figured out strengths, weaknesses, and he's trying to put them in a great position to go out there and have success. And uh, and so I I think that definitely continues this week, but it it will. It'll be a close game, always on the road. It's always a little bit tougher, obviously. Um, But. I, I'm with you. I'm I'm leaning towards the Broncos winning this one because I, I think they, you know, a rookie quarterback, I think Sean Payton and Vance Joseph can come up with a decent game plan to figure out how to contain him as much as possible. And Sean Payton has shown he can come up with enough on offense to, to give them that victory there at the end. So um, I'm leaning that way right now. We'll, we'll see. Injury reports still have to come out. Um, there's still a lot of time in between now and the game, but uh, I did real quick. I mean, I know we're getting close to the end of the show here, but our, our topic actually was power rankings. And, uh, and so I just wanted to um, hit on this just real quick of uh, pro football talk actually put the Broncos at 10th in their rankings this week. They, they're the first to really jump the Broncos up to that kind of level. The others are still kind of keeping them in that middle of the pack area. NFL, dot com has them at uh, at 15 espn has them at 13 but you see that with pro football talk they they really believe like this is the real deal this is who they are as the broncos and and a lot of it has to do with just the the quality of opponents you know when you win five games in a row a lot of times it's against at least half of them are against like middling teams you know that are kind of bottom 10 not that great of teams but the broncos you know obviously beating the chiefs one of the top five teams in football right now. Um, Bills, I know that they were struggling at that point. There's still a lot of people that have great belief in that team with Josh Allen. And then you think about Minnesota was the hottest team coming into that game. You know, they've fallen off here a little bit just because of the quarterback situation. And, and of course, the Browns. A lot of people have them in the top 10 of teams. Even with this backup quarterback situation going on, they've been able to, to win games with backup quarterbacks not even doing great football. 
it's been crazy to see what, especially their defense. I know we talk a lot about the Broncos defense, but the Browns defense has been outstanding. And I, I think that's the part for me that just really stood out this last week was how much the offense really stepped up. You know, the defense was great. I expected that, especially against a backup quarterback. But for them to go out there and have two 80-yard drives down the field for touchdowns, you know, the weeks before that, it was just frustrating watching them start at like the 50-yard line and barely be able to settle for a field goal. So for them to, to make those kind of drives, it just made me feel much better about where the offense is going compared to what they've been in the past. Are you kind of in that same place or you still holding off on the offense? I mean, I still have my my issues with the offense, but they have definitely, you know, helped themselves because of the quality of defenses they have been playing. Um, the Minnesota Vikings defense was a solid defense, but what they did attacked the weakness of the offense and they handled it well. Wasn't the best, but they did well against it. The Browns, they found something on tape that they could exploit and they just attacked it over and over and over again. And when the Browns went to stop it, they changed it up and attacked differently. It was very heads-up play calling by Sean Payton. Great re pre-snap reads by Russell Wilson to help to it or help it all. I, this offense is on is now really starting to put things together. Where even I, you know, I harped on the lack of production out of Wilson compared to the contract. But the point was is that I was making then is that you can still live with it if he's giving you this quality of play. And now they're going against defenses that are much tougher against the run but they're weaker against the pass so maybe the production will balance out a little bit and as to your point about the teams they've played i mean that it's the week the what the worst team was probably the packers that they beat and that was that was the first game when they were still you know putting things together on defense and on offense then they go and they beat the chiefs they beat the bills um the vikings game that was tough but as you talked about they're all, they were you know on a hot streak but when you look at what the Vikings, their hot streak, they were beating mostly bad teams outside of the 49ers. So the Broncos have stepped up and proven themselves against tough matchups during this win streak, which is not something you can say very often. All right, we got Phil McLaughlin coming in again saying, I have liked seeing Bonito progression. Do you think he is going to level off or can he grow more? I, I agree. I, I think he's they, they found his, his, his niche for the game. You know, his ability to go after the quarterback, speed around the edge, third down specialist. Um, I have a hard time seeing him turn into a true three down player. You know, the the, the draft analyst in me, <laughs> I mean, we, we talked about this when he was drafted, saying that this is going to be his issue, that he's he just can't be a true three down player. He's got athleticism out, out the wazoo. I mean, it, it's incredible what he can do with his speed around the edge. But his ability to anchor he's got a size problem you know he's just on that skinny side of things and as much as you can learn to to anchor it doesn't matter if you're still at like 235 pounds going up against a 300 pounder like they're still going to probably win that most of the time and uh so i do think what you're seeing right now is probably what you can expect moving forward that he's going to be a third down specialist you just hope that the injuries don't pile up at the position where he has to become that true full-time starter. I think we'll see start seeing more consistency out of him because there's been a lot of points of here, here's a great game as a pass rusher, and then here's almost nothing as a pass rusher. Then here's something, eh, it's all right, production as a pass rusher. Here's another great game. So I think we're going to see more balance for it. But over the last three games especially, I absolutely have loved what they have done with Nick Benito. They have pulled him off the ball a little bit um, in, in running situations and let him spy the quarterback, um, which makes sense when you look at the quarterbacks that are, they were playing during that time, and just keeping him in space a little bit to where his his athleticism can help, you know, still in running situations or passing plays without rushing the quarterback by playing a little bit off a little bit and just, you know, trying to fill the lanes, trying to read the read the, read the play. But he still is contributing as a pass rusher. He had nine pressures. He led the team against the Browns. And he had a couple of them that were unblocked pressures. But he set up a beautiful pass rush against the left tackle, I believe, where it started as a ghost, and then he changed it into a spin. And it was, I believe, the sack that he got. 
it was just a beautiful play, play by him. And it really shows the growth that he's had with the technical aspects of being a pass rusher instead of just relying on his athleticism to win like he was doing earlier in the season and even last year. Yeah, I'm with you. He definitely came into the league. I remember watching him at Oklahoma and he hardly ever used his hands. Like he just was like, boom, I'm just going to beat this guy to the spot. And just watching him have no technique with his hands of fighting off an offensive tackle is like, oh, this guy has a long ways to go. Like you see the talent. You definitely do. But in the NFL, there's a lot of really athletic guys. Uh, the guys that separate themselves are the ones, like you said, that learn the the tech, the technical side of it and learn the the moves and then the counter moves to, to really set things up. That was what Vaughn was. Vaughn was athletic but he was also a technician. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw somebody in here talk about that of, of Vaughn against the run. Like he learned how to become a great anchor in the run game. He learned how to get low to, to use that ability um, to hold his position and then shed a, a blocker to go make a play in the run game. And I, I don't think he can quite get to that level, obviously, because Vaughn Miller's obviously a Hall of Famer, but he, he can get better. I, I'm not saying that he's completely leveled off by any means. I think there's just always going to be a little bit of a limitation to where he can go and what he brings to the team. It's absolutely needed. You need that kind of pass rusher that can win in a second and a half off the edge where a quarterback has to either get rid of it right away as soon as they get the ball or it's trouble for them. Um, you know, it's why he's forced some fumbles because he just gets back there so quickly. Teams are not, not ready for it. You need that kind of guy. Um, so I, I think it's great that he's on the team. I just, like I said, I, I hope he's not at that point where we have to start him because of injuries. Yeah, he, he for me is like that great third rusher that you have that you need to have. Not going to do much on in, on rundowns, but you can put him in with fresh legs and use that athleticism and continue to improve his technique and be a consistent force in third down situations. And you can get creative with it, too, as we've been seeing Vance Joseph do a lot recently of lining up like Browning and Benito next to each other or Cooper and Benito and just using that to create even more confusion on the offensive line, which opens up the door for when they get that down, they can start, you know, expanding off that and doing more stunts and twists and stuff like that off these looks that they're giving opposing quarterbacks and offensive linemen to create even more problems for them without trying to handle these guys. Browning next to Benito has been super effective over recent weeks. And I absolutely love watching, you know, this exotic look with the defensive front. Yeah. And I've seen a couple of people make the comment of can, what if Bonito adds more weight? This is my worry with that is, is he sacrificing explosiveness? Because that's the best part of his game. I think he can add a little bit of weight. I just think he has a pretty slim frame for the NFL. Um, you know, I, he's still 6263. So he's tall enough. But I'm afraid if you add 20 pounds, you really take away from the best part of his game if you do that. You know, I remember Von Miller put on some weight one year and it, it was kind of bad weight. I think it was maybe his third year, fourth year in the league. That's the year he got hurt. And I remember he talked about like I need to put on 15 pounds and then he blew out his knee. And he just, he wasn't quite the same player. Like he was still great, but he wasn't like hall of fame level that we'd come to to know in those first few years. Uh, And so I guess it would have been, it would have been his third season, 2013. That's when he got hurt. And so that'd be my one caution with trying to do that with Bonito. You got to add it on slowly, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe five pounds a year that you're trying to do so you can keep that explosiveness. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not sure he has a great frame to add much more weight to it. Um, I mean, obviously anybody can add weight, but it's the quality of weight. You want good weight on them. It's why when you see some of these offensive tackles that are six foot six, six foot seven and 350, 380 pounds, a lot of it's bad weight and they'll get knocked for that bad weight. And there'll be a lot of time spent from coaching and training staffs to try to improve that. Well, with Nick Benito is you want to try to add more weight to it. I think there's room for a little bit, but not much. Maybe five, maybe five to ten pounds is about yeah. what you, you can get out of him. And that is still a bit of a risk for him with the explosiveness that he has. 
Um, so, so I think it's a bit of a bit of a risk. And with what he is, I'm fine with where he's at and just let him keep doing it and just continue um, building up muscle on his body a little bit and improving the technique. There you go. Well, Michael, you're helping to close us out for the evening. Uh, he comes in with another star saying, great show tonight, Carl and Eric on Building the Broncos. Go Broncos. And yeah, appreciate each and every one of you joining us here this evening. And hopefully Nick will be in the back next week. But Eric, appreciate you stepping in and bringing the, the Christmas spirit with the hat. And, you know, it, it's like I said, it's just great to, to know that we're coming into December football and Broncos are relevant. Like every one of these games is going to matter moving forward here and definitely have a chance for, for the playoffs. So uh, make sure you guys are following us on Twitter. You can follow me at Carl Dumbler MHH. You can follow Eric at Eric Trickle. And make sure you guys are also heading over to um, the Mile High Huddle Twitter page as well. And make sure you're also on Facebook. If you are on Facebook, um, like and share on there as well. But we got facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle Pod. That will let you know every time that we go live, you know, every day, seven o'clock, we're trying to be here, but you also have the, the morning shows. You've got the after game breakdown. You don't want to miss any of that. So make sure you guys are heading over there. Uh, if you can go over to Apple podcasts and leave us a five-star rating or whatever rating you want to leave. And I promise you, we read those. We appreciate all the feedback that you can give us. And if you're on YouTube, make sure you guys head over there and subscribe, like, and share for us. It just really helps to get everything out there. If you um, if you guys like us, like I said, head over. That's one of the best things you can you can do. We love the super chats, but I promise you, we really love when you go out there and subscribe to our show and, and share it with everyone out there. And so, anyway, I appreciate everyone. Like I said, coming here this evening, and as as Nick always likes to close out the shows, choose kindness, choose compassion. And go Broncos, hopefully another win this week. You've been listening to Building the Broncos. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.